0: Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast, sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. I am Brooke Small.
1: And I am Jesse Steffes. In this podcast, we dive into the heart of life's questions. This is not a substitute for mental health therapy.
0: However, our goal is to make healing accessible for as many as possible. Welcome back. Today, we are going to be talking about a card that we pulled that says when I give up the need for others approval I am free to become who I truly am this one hits home for me a lot I'm looking forward to and not looking forward to talking to it uh, or talking to it (laughs) and about it (laughs) I feel like talking to it
1: (laughs) talk around it and then we don't have to answer it
0: I'll just Um, yeah Uh, Yeah, it is, it's something I'm sure that you hear and talk about a lot in therapy, your own and the therapy you do with other people. And so it's, uh, I think, especially as we move into the holiday season, uh, an important thing to talk about, because we're going to be spending a lot of time with people who we may have spent a lot of time seeking approval from.
1: Yeah. Yeah this this does hit home for me personally and professionally and um the timing in this is really interesting um you know that we're we're recording this on a day where this morning you sent me a really beautiful podcast and you and I call that church um when you send me we send each other to church you send me to church more often than I send you to church <laughs> um <clears throat> But it's interesting timing. We're talking about this idea of approval versus becoming who we really are, because that podcast talked a lot about um spirituality and some of the, the um content that you and I have touched on briefly where it's hard to deconstruct or reconstruct or talk about when so much of it has been a place of needing approval from people, either yeah. in leadership and positions or family. Um, that on top of another podcast I listened to after was talking about um, just in the professional sense, how therapists build their practices. And the person on there was talking about doing the things that she felt like a bunch of business coaches had told her to do versus what felt most authentic for her and her business. And so mm-hmm. I think our soil is really primed to have a discussion about what this looks like.
0: Yeah. So so I'll, I'll start by opening up the, <laughs> the door to Brooke in um, ways that I, you know, we, we've talked around before, but not uh, spoken directly to. And, you know, there are, there are different ways that we learn to be in the world, and that comes from all sorts of experiences that we have and, um, people or institutions or communities that we're a part of and our families. But this approval seeking was something that was deeply ingrained in me. Um, My way, my how I learned to be safe enough and okay enough and attached enough was to be worthy and good. And to hide the parts of me that I thought weren't or would be deemed unworthy or bad. Um, And so that because of that, I had this very lopsided existence in the world you know, I was always spending a lot of time creating and trying to maintain a persona versus trying to be a person. And I think that that uh, that approval seeking for me looked a lot like being the kind one, being the, the one who had the answers or the one who could carry the weight of whatever the experience was, mm. peacemaker.
1: Yeah, well, and we, we gain approval um, often by doing the things that we have figured out the person or system wants us to do mm-hmm. um, or being the person that the system or person needs us to be, um, which invites this, this uh, act of self-abandonment. And we've talked about that a lot together before of the idea of, you know, we're always either saying, when, when we say yes, we're saying no to something else. When I say yes to someone else's need for me to be a certain way, I'm saying no potentially to the way I actually am. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we make that choice for multitudes of reasons, But in this idea of, okay, I'm a peacemaker, peacemaker serves to, you know, diminish our own discomfort in many ways, but it also serves to allow everyone else around us for whom we are making the peace to not have to do their own work, right? Yes. So, peacemakers are wonderful for those who don't want to do their own work.
0: Yes. And, and I, would, I would argue, right, that, that that's a harmony maker. That's not a peacemaker. Peacemaker is really about contentment and then deep ease. And that can actually only come after conflict and we really show up as we are. But when we're handed that label of peacemaker, especially by communities or families, what that means is a, a subversion of how we feel, right? A repression of how we feel for the greater good. Um, and that's not peacemaking because we can't be peaceful in
1: that. Right. Yeah. And and that idea too, right, of, um, of abandoning self to make the system okay, exactly as you said, brings only harmony and it's not long lasting harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk frequently about the idea of harmony versus intimacy um, and the idea that when we're creating harmony by self-abandoning, it probably feels a little bit good for a little while, but it's not bringing us any closer into intimacy when we're seeking approval versus maybe our own authenticity or our genuine identity. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also though, you know, I'm sharing really vulnerably some of the ways that I would have to or have had to give up approval feels really risky for me because I am then relying on my own authenticity and self-trust to be sufficient where I formerly rested on approval. And that's very alarming when I have had approval for a long time in a lot of spaces. To give all of that up is a pretty scary endeavor. Um, It feels worthwhile, but I'm Like my stomach, even as we're talking about this, is like, hey, you're talking about that thing that's so hard.
0: Yeah. Are you sure you want to talk about this? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I, you know, I want to state in here that the most of us who are on the approval seeking side of things have to do a pendulum swing before we can come to that healthy middle or that safe place. So what that means is, if we're over on approval seeking, there's this this place that almost all of us have to go in order to get out of that. That looks like we don't care what other people think, mm-hmm. or that, um, and sometimes we we hold that space in a really angry way, like this indignant kind of righteous anger that we hold in that place, and sometimes oftentimes that can be really off-putting to the people in our world in our circle or we might look really avoidant or quiet sometimes that can be scary to us too because it's so opposite of how we've been but it's almost like we have to do that swing in order to find what really is the place where we want to be where we where we can we can attend to people and we can care about what they think about how we are and who we are in the world but not so much that we self-abandon that we still can hold our our space and our ground and be rooted in that
1: but we kind of have to,
0: to experience both extremes to be able to know what the middle is
1: yeah well in the the um the pendulum swing you're describing you know i'm thinking about individuals that I have observed make that pendulum swing and the discomfort I have felt as an observer or an outsider when they have pendulum swung to that space that appears indignant. Um, You know, I'm thinking about influencers and uh, maybe some more public personalities that have left certain spaces um, and have swung so far. And I'm like, okay, I think you might have swung off a cliff, right? Right. Right. But but even in that, I have to be checking my own judgment about that because that can often and is often coming from a place in me of desiring a similar liberation that I have not allowed myself yet, and and eventually I wouldn't quite liberate in the same way, (laughs) but. I'm I'm having a judgment about something because they have gone to a place where they're unattached to the things that I am still attached to.
0: Right, and they're breaking rules that you still believe you have to follow.
1: That's right. right. Even
0: if you have discarded some rules, there are some there that you feel like you have to follow and that it is uncomfortable to watch someone break those. And sometimes scary. Sometimes it can give us a sense of fear and uncertainty when we watch people do that. I feel this a lot in the work that I do with people who are in faith deconstruction um, and reconstruction, but we have, to, we, have to, we have to tear a lot of it down before we can start to build something new and something that's meaningful for us. Yeah. But often the people in their orbit and their circles feel really um, pushed away and pushed back by that and, and often frightened. By their behavior or the choices they're making
1: right because
0: they they don't fit what we've been taught is certainty or safe yeah well and, and in
1: that certainty and safety um you know one of the one of the things that I think about frequently is parents parents responses when their children whether there's children or children age or adult age but the response to no longer needing parental approval around choices and decisions. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had to do a lot of work around empathy taking as, as an adult child of parents um, when I have decided to not need the approval, maybe of some of the choices that I make politically um, that is really hard. And I've watched my parents struggle with that because what I am, what I am denying is what they believed they were offering me to ensure my safety. Uh And if I can have the compassion and, and maybe it's not compassion, I don't know what it is understanding. Maybe you can give me better words for this, but if I can have that thing that is gentler about saying they're not rigidly stuck in their ways and being, um, being judgmental or ignorant of my you know progression or whatever if I can look at it as oh I am I am in their minds potentially rejecting the thing they thought would keep me okay in the world it allows me to see how painful that could be for them and to walk a little more gently in my own journey Mm -hmm. and that's allowed me to prioritize relationship. You know, we talked right before we got on this podcast about relationship versus being right. And I think part of the pendulum swing that can happen for us when we abandon needing approval is we feel like we have to then be right. And yeah, some other sort of confirmation.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just another kind of safety and certainty, right? You're moving from one, Seeking approval and always finding approval in people, you're moving from one sense of safety and certainty to another, of being right and, you know, having having a different kind of answer and a different kind of way to keep yourself safe. And and the truth is that we find ourselves in the messy middle, in the space where we don't have the answers and we will disappoint people, but we actually get to show up like that. But but you're right. It is this um, on on either side of any pendulum swing, <laughs> whether that is about being um, submissive or being dictatorial, whether it is you know whatever that is. There's a pendulum swing there that we often find ourselves on the edges of, and health and wellness and well being is all about finding the middle that space where those the the elements of both that allow us to move through the world with perspective with compassion with understanding for others and ourselves is always going to be found there mm.
1: that coming back to the middle feels almost so simple that it seems um not real but it's so real <laughs> it's so true and so simple Right. Uh And I think we move through pendulum swings multiple times throughout our life. Um, I I remember, you know, I, I share this sometimes with clients when when we're talking about their teenage children. And so I don't have children and I can't speak to what it's like to raise teenagers. But I remember being one and I was really a teenager. And I remember one night staying up late and writing my parents this letter on the notebook paper from the notebook they purchased me along with all the other <laughs> <in> the <bedroom. laughs> right? and I like was telling them all about how I needed more freedom and they should leave me the hell alone and I put like a few gentle curse words in there to like really get my point across and I'm so grateful that I slept on it. And I was like, let me wait. Cause I was like, I'm going to leave this in the kitchen and they're going to see it in the morning. Cause of course they get up earlier than me to make all the money to buy the house. I live in. <laughs> But I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell them how they're they're just need to let me be me. And
0: they're parenting wrong.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't even remember now, like what, what sort of freedom I felt like I didn't have. Cause I had quite a bit. <laughs> But it was it was this very, um, I mean, teenage, right, like feeling of explosion around like I need to get get this liberation. It was a pendulum swing. And I'm glad I didn't end up exposing that to them because I think it would have been harmful for our relationship, at least temporarily. But it was really helpful for me to write out and feel about and I think of that frequently in my own pendulum swings and walking away from approval is my instinct is to like write a letter and tell them why I no longer need it. And sometimes, and and by them, them that I no longer need, I don't only mean parents, but whoever or whatever I'm liberating from. And I remember that frequently because we can, we can decide to let go of the approval of systems without having to tell them off or without having to blow them up Um, and i think that comes up frequently tell me what you think brick and especially when folks are walking out of or away from or taking a break from their faith systems or religion spaces Mm -hmm. uh, the tendency in the pendulum swing is like to get really upset and really mad
0: yeah. And, and part of that is grief, right? But we don't always identify it as grief. That, that anger that's there is just this experience of grieving, but grieving is so tender and so vulnerable. And we already feel so vulnerable and exposed because so much of what made our life certain doesn't, isn't there for us in the same way that we move to anger because it feels big and powerful and strong and right, right? And protective, And protective, yeah. And so a lot of that is just in the development of of a transition like that, it's going to be there. Uh, It's what we decide to do with it that can be constructive or destructive. Mm. And so it's it's important to consider that. But you're right, a lot of times the people that I work with um, and, and encounter in my life, move from over here and approval seeking and wanting to be worthy and good and all of those things into this space of anger where it feels like the only solution is to take a blowtorch and burn the whole thing down. Mm -hmm. And that's that's unfortunate because what happens is we create this another good bad binary. And Mm -hmm. and we're we're just again on the edges instead of in the middle. And the work that, that happens Frequently in therapy is about saying, okay, instead of moving to destruction, there's a difference between deconstructing and destruction, right? Instead of moving to destruction, let's deconstruct. Let's take this brick by brick and find out which ones really hold value and meaning to you and have created important parts of your life and the way you see yourselves And which ones don't work for you anymore? And we can take what is there in the rubble, the bricks that we pulled out, and start to build and create something new. But that idea that things are either good or bad, right or wrong, doesn't allow us actually to create a very firm foundation to build something new on.
1: Yeah. I I love the way you describe the difference between deconstructing and destructing and i i have the image of a building right like we don't we don't have to blow it up and level ground and then <clears throat> hope to find resources again in the future like we can take it apart and salvage what is is usable um and and just kind of confronting the idea of the 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 rigid binary right good bad right wrong um I think that is helpful to consider about people as well when we're Mm -hmm. trying to re-navigate relationship. Um, I don't believe that anybody is all bad and I don't believe anybody is all good. And that can be really difficult, especially when we're looking at spaces that um, we need to remain in relationship for whatever reason. Maybe we've got a co-parent or we've decided they are our sibling and we want to have love towards them. Um, but the slow process of deconstruction and it can allow us to actually say, oh my gosh, this brick I just pulled is such a good brick.
0: Right. Yeah. This
1: other one I want to blow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really yeah this
0: This one taught me empathy or this one helped me feel needed or wanted or helped me see somebody else's experience from a different point of view which is empathy but let's call it something else there are all of those bricks in there but but what happens often in, in our families or in our institutions in our society is that we think that those have been given to us by them and we don't want anything to do with that anymore and so we don't take the time to really look at them when the truth is let's say that your your family taught you independence and sometimes that was painful because you didn't have your needs met or you you didn't feel like there was enough interdependence right but that independence has been the thing that has propelled you to seek your degree or to start your career or to whatever it is, right. And so we don't want to get rid of the independence brick, but we want to be able to deconstruct that, to pull it away from the building that hurt and put it into a new building that allows you to create and to explore and to become.
1: And And that that new building you're describing, right, of 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 where we become, is the space where we can live that allows us to not have to rely on approval yes um, prior to that right we're building we're building a space with given bricks or or maybe bricks we've taken and it's like do you like what i've built okay you yes do. <laughs> yeah did i put this
0: in the right place yes
1: yeah and in the right way and and just like a home we live in right we want We want, as humans, to be really comfortable in the space we live, and if we've built it for someone else and to their specifications, whether that's our appearance, our body, our belief system, um, our sexuality, the relationships we're in, when we've built a house to someone else's specifications, it's not our home, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I could go off on all these metaphors about track houses and, you know, like... (laughs)
0: Yeah, But you're right. It's not our home. And and often we feel bad about not feeling at home there. So we try harder and we try to put up new walls and and all of these things, seeking and seeking. And here's the other problem. The other problem with approval is that you're never going to get approval from everyone. There (laughs) are always going to be people in your life who think you're building it wrong, who, who think you're doing it wrong. And so you're constantly in this process anyway of tearing things down and putting things up, and, but, it has, but it has nothing to do with what you actually want to build, you as the architect, yeah, right? And so when we release ourselves from seeking approval, which again is another one of those spaces where we have to teach our body the difference between unsafe and uncomfortable. But when we release ourselves from seeking other people's approval, and that may mean that we need to swing on that pendulum for a little while, what we find is that we can begin to build something that we feel safe and comfortable and at home in. And we're still not going to have everybody's approval, but we didn't overhear either. It's just that our focus has shifted now. We are more grounded, more centered. And we're creating a structure that works for us based on the bricks that we have and the ones that we create. Well, and it's,
1: you know, as we're talking about, again, this is coming back to the middle of this swing. Um, I'm thinking about the idea of how this allows us also to keep bricks in honor, even if they aren't ours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this... <laughs> My partner and I, our house was built in the eighties by a very kooky person named Gary that we've heard a lot about in our neighborhood. <laughs> and Gary chose to put this really weird to us stained glass rose, a uh, glass fixture in the middle of a wall in our bedroom <laughs> for no reason. Like, why <laughs> do we have a window in the bedroom? Right. And when we got the house, I was like, okay, what are we going to put there instead? How are we going to get this glass out? Blah, 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 blah. I was so ready to like take Gary's brick, uh, just that one, at least there's lots of weird ones. But my partner was like, I don't think we should move that. I, I don't think it's going to bring us good energy if we move that one. And I was like, mm, no, it's ugly. Right. <laughs> it's still in our house. And We have come to really lovingly and almost jokingly appreciate this, this thing we'll never be able to decorate around in our home. And it's, it's this homage to Gary that doesn't cause us to self-abandon, but it is a, a sore reminder often of Gary's legacy in this home that he built. Right. And I think about that as we're talking about the idea of um, coming back to the middle is there may be some bricks that you choose to keep that aren't especially important to you, but it it feels honoring to maybe keep them because of what they mean to who offered it to you. And when that's not a self-abandoning brick, it's okay to keep it and use it in your foundation or yeah. mantle or whatever.
0: I'm curious, what what are those bricks for you?
1: The first thing that came to my mind, and this is so... Silly and pretty small, like this is a corner of a brick. Is um, I will never make mashed potatoes without putting some mustard in it. I can't just a little bit, I know, just a little bit. (laughs) You should see Brooke's face. This is my mom's recipe, and I don't know if I can tell a difference, but I want to do that forever because it's a brick she offered me. Um, another brick is that no matter where I go with my spirituality. I am always going to pray in certain times, no matter what it means to me or ends up not meaning to me one day. Um, cause I learned like when you're fearful in the middle of the night, this is what you say. And when I say that, mm-hmm. I mean, not fearful and I will never let that brick go because it has meant something to really powerful women in my ancestry. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of the bricks I want to keep are, are ancestral bricks, Mm -hmm. that maybe they do become, um, more decorative in nature, but they're really important to me. Mm -hmm. How about for you?
0: Yeah, I was thinking very similarly about the, the, the things that have been handed down to me that have changed in meaning for generations, you know, but especially the stories of the women in my, in my world and in my life, there's this picture of my great grandmother on this bucking horse. And she just looks like she's got a cowboy hat on and she, you know, lived in Calgary and is a cowgirl. And I, you know, she, she passed away when my grandpa was six um, after a really complicated pregnancy. So I, I never knew her. And I only knew stories of her but those stories are bricks that are really meaningful to me. And, um, you know, my, my grandmother who just passed away this year was really into understanding family history and genealogy, and who was related to who and how are they related. And that's not something that is a pursuit of mine. I, yeah. I don't do that. But I take those bricks and especially the stories that have been passed down and I cherish them um, because they are foundational for me, even when the meaning, you know, why, why they were passed down may have changed over time. To me, they, they speak to me about the strength and resilience and perseverance of the women in my world.
1: Mm. Hmm there's a, this is a small aside as we start to wrap up, but there's a, there's conflict in my relationship with my mom about how she and I approach feminism. And it's interesting how much overlap there is and how much disagreement in language there is um, simultaneously. But she gave me a postcard um, within the last couple of years. And it, it, Recalls the story of some um, some pioneering women in the history of, I think Colorado, and that's part's not very important to me. But what's most important to me is what she wrote on it: is women always find a way. And I thought that is our middle space, right? Like mm-hmm. that brick for me is, we do, we will, we have, right? And and holding onto that feels. Very much like the place I want to be of not needing approval and building something new with the imprint of legacy that maybe came from that initial space of approval.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, you know, that leads me to my takeaway for today. Both sides of that pendulum swing are about protection, right? Seeking approval is about protection of self and attachment. Over on the other side of being right and angry and not needing anything from anyone is about protection and the fear of rejection, but that middle space is all about connection. Mm-hmm. And if we looked at people who are in the middle and what their, what their house is made out of, the bricks that they've taken, they are all common to each other. They are all things that we can find in that current that runs through all of us when it comes to emotion and experience. And um, that, I think that we, we know lots of people, many people at least who live in the middle. And if we took time to really look at the structure they've built, it's all about connection and what we have in common rather than what divides us.
1: Yeah, I uh, very similarly, my takeaway is, is maybe an invitation to reflect on spaces where you have pendulum swung and landed in the middle, um, and and recall those as templates or strength points for spaces that maybe you still find yourself on a pendulum now. Mm-hmm. Um, and just recall you've you've done this before, and you can do it again to find the connecting middle. I love how you said that broke the. The, the edges are protection and the middle is connection. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is genuine safety there. The others are all sense of safety. That's genuine safety. And if you find yourself on the edges and you don't know what that middle looks like, there are people that can help you find that middle, find people in your life, seek out people who seem to be in that middle space and learn from them. Therapy is a great place to find the middle. Um, it's about exploration and curiosity again, always it's available and it's a good place to be.
1: So we'll see you in the middle soon. See you next time.
0: interested in submitting a question or letter to the heart of life podcast you can do so at our website riverbendcolorado.com and click on the podcast tab
1: we would love for you to give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on by doing so you help us make the heart of life podcast easier to find and more accessible for everyone
0: we will see you next week as we walk each other home